Welcome to a podcast brought to you by the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. Our academy is a national organization committed to excellence in orthopedic manual physical therapy practice, education, and research. And we're here to explore a wide range of topics with you through interviews with content experts. I'm Becca Catlin, one of your co-hosts of the American Academy podcast, and today we have a really fun interview with Stacy Soapman. This interview is slightly different in that we're discussing clinical skills and techniques for manipulation, which is usually something that would be difficult to discuss verbally versus seeing the technique. But Stacy does a fantastic job of giving us some tips and pointers for manipulating like a girl, which is the title of her course that she did at the American Academy Conference in November in Florida. Stacy Soapman received her physical therapy degree from Andrews University in Bering Springs, Michigan in 2001, and went on to receive her Doctor of Science in Physical Therapy degree from Andrews University in 2011. Stacy completed her fellowship training through the North American Institute of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapy in 2011. Stacy currently works in outpatient orthopedics in Denver, Colorado. She is faculty for North American Institute of Orthopedic Manual Therapy and is also an adjunct professor at Andrews University in the Physical Therapy Department. Stacy has had the opportunity to present locally as well as nationally on various orthopedic manual therapy topics. One of her passions is to help restore the art of physical therapy. Physical therapy is more than a series of treatment steps to follow. It is a beautifully choreographed dance that looks different with every person you encounter. Dr. Soapman, thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'd love for you to give us a little bit of information about the course you taught at this year's American Academy Conference in Florida. Thanks for having me. I would love to talk about the class. It's uh, one of my favorite topics. So this year at the American Academy Conference, I taught Manip Like a Girl, Work Smarter, Not Harder. Um, And basically, it's a technique adaptation class to what is traditionally taught in the literature and quite often was traditionally taught in physical therapy schools. On any given day, 99% of my patients are bigger than me. At 5'2", I'm not the biggest person in the clinic. And uh, going through PT school, I didn't even learn manipulation. I'm not that old, but uh, they really weren't teaching it when I was in PT school. So I got out and did my fellowship through North American Institute of Manual Therapy. And I'd go to my classes, which were largely taught by men, um, great, great clinicians, great instructors. But the problem is they outweigh me by 100 pounds and they're a foot taller than me. And so what I learned in class worked great in class because my partner, my study partner, was about the same size as me. But then I got back to the clinic and realized, you know, everyone's bigger than me. What worked in the cl- in class is not necessarily working in the clinic. And I had to take a step back and say, if, if I want to be successful in the clinic, I've got to adapt how this is happening. And so I knew how the joint mechanics should work. I understood the science behind manipulation. And uh, as a rule follower, it was really hard for me because I thought, well, this is the way they said you needed to execute the technique to be successful. And once I got out of that, I needed to do it in this exact order. Um, it gave me the freedom to be able to adapt it to make it my own so I could be successful in the clinic. Can you give us an example of one of the a technique that most people would probably be familiar with and how you were able to adapt it? 
Yeah, so when I teach this class, we spend a lot of time on thoracic because I feel just across the board, smaller clinicians struggle with the thoracic uh, supine technique um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of them being the way that it's often taught is the, the patient laying on the bed, they have their elbows clasped um, behind their neck or their hands clasped behind their neck, elbows out in front. And then you as the therapist have to kind of roll them up, help them stay in this curled up position in order to gap say T7-8. So right off the bat, it's really difficult because with their arms behind, out in front of them and you curling them up, quite often their face rinds up in your chest. I mean, their face is literally right looking down your shirt. Problem number one with the technique. Problem number two is that quite often their shoulder girth is wider than my arms are long. And I'm not talking about the really big people here. I'm talking about the patients who are, you know, 6'2", 200 pounds, they, they're a lot bigger than me. And quite often when I would roll them over, I couldn't get my, the arm that was on the table, I couldn't get it flat. And so I was often manipulating my arm, my own carpals instead of their thoracic spine. So a way around that was I just learned to build the table up under my wrist. And so I would take towels or a, a sandbag weight Put it under my wrist to protect my own carpals and then i only have to turn the patient three quarters versus the full roll um, in order to perform the manipulation and it wound up to be much more successful that way i've definitely been in that situation and i too would say that most of my manip classes have been taught by men when you get into the scenario where you're like i don't feel very comfortable with my chest in this person's face and they're kind of like um put a pillow there I was gonna say, I have to say, I'm often shocked. For a, fe a profession that is largely female dominant, I show up to teach classes all the time and people will say to me, you are the first female orthopedic instructor I've ever had. I didn't know there was a different way to do these techniques. But very valuable and appreciated by the females taking the classes, no doubt. So you're also a clinician. You practice treating in the clinic at least three days a week, pretty typically. Yeah, two to three days a week just depends on my kids' school schedule, my teaching schedule, things like that. For folks that might be listening that are younger therapists or they're just trying to figure out how manual therapy works into their clinical program, when and how do you often use manipulative techniques? That's a great question because if you take a class for me, you sometimes think, oh, all she ever does is manipulate all day. No, that's not true. I do use it a lot uh, just because for me, I feel like I could go in there and mobilize or do muscle assisted or muscle energy techniques to the lumbar spine or thoracic spine. However, one manipulation is quite often, it's a faster way for me to get into that neuromuscular system. So if I have an eight hour day and full day of patience, by the end of the day, physically what we do is very taxing. And so one manipulation followed by really good exercise and motor control is often easier for me than doing repeated mobilizations, muscle energy techniques, things like that. However, not all patients are appropriate for manipulation as we know. So it's it's a balance between you know, what I think is best for the patient, but also what the patient wants done to them. Not everybody likes the manipulation. So I generally say if it's an intermittent, episodic, sounds like a mechanical origin of pain, we've already ruled out all the red flags and made sure they were appropriate for manipulation, that is often my first uh, treatment choice for manual therapy. I practice probably similar lines where manipulation often is the quicker and smarter way to practice. I try to get away from doing a lot of soft tissue work because it's just tiring on my hands that I want to work with for the next 30 years. And you can 
tap into that nervous system and get that high intensity afferent stimulation, drop down some pain, muscle tension, and get them prepped so they're ready to go exercise and train. Um, do you have any other techniques that are able to be described verbally that might be some some fun tips for folks to take away with? Yeah. So lumbar spine, for example. So, you know, you're trying to just in general decide is this segment hypermobile, hypomobile? Does it even need a manipulation? Does it need exercise? And so a lot of the times people say, oh, my patient's legs are so big and stiff. I can't move them back and forth on the bed. So um, it's, it's a joke in our clinic. You can tell what room I've been in because the table's almost on the floor. So really lower the table. Um, a lot of manipulation is about mechanical advantage. And so when we're taught by someone who's bigger, they say, oh, you just stand here and you drop your weight on the patient and they, it should cavitate. Well, that's assuming you have enough weight to drop and that you have a long enough lever that you can generate your speed through there. So we need to create better levers. And we do that by lowering the bed down to the floor. So if I'm doing a lumbar manipulation, the bed is really, if I'm in that semi-squat position, two to three inches above my patellas. So it's fairly low. Um, I also will use my own, I never try to use just my hands. It's a lot of core work. And so an example I give of how to improve your core speed, because it's not strength, it's all speed dominant. Because um, the, the faster you manipulate, the more successful you're going to be. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot about improving speed. Bananas, really great example. And so if you're making your morning smoothie, don't peel your banana. Take your banana, peel and all, and tr uh, put it out in front of you and really try to generate enough speed that you can snap that banana in half without mushing it all over your kitchen, of course. Uh, but try to snap it in half to really generate that core speed that you need um, because that's going to save your hands as well. The more you can do with your core, the less your hands are fatigued at the end of the day. So I lower the bed. I really work on my core. I don't put them in the middle of the bed as traditionally is taught. I have them way up to the side of the bed and I assure them I'm not going to let them roll off the bed, but as close to me as possible. I always joke, I say, this is a full contact sport. Um, you've got to be able to be close and on top of your patient in order to be successful with some of these techniques. Great examples. I like the banana. It's a good party trick. Yeah. And um, what students often get amazed by is, one, how easy that is to do to break the banana. And as they get faster, they can use it on um, stronger and stronger material. So we'll even pull out pieces of string or rope and have them break the rope. Yeah, it's a great way. I guess that's what they do in karate too when they break the board, speed and focused force rather than dissipating the force. Correct. So you were at the conference. Was there any highlights you took away with from the 2019 conference this year? I don't get to the conference every year, but um, every time I do, I'm always like, why don't I go every year? I walk away so happy to be involved in a profession that is wanting to move forward and not get stagnant and say, well, what we've done has always worked. I feel like this conference is, a, is an idea generator for me. Um, I can't say there was one highlight. For me, the sessions were great, but I love the energy and the, I don't want to call it networking because that sounds sleazy or something, but just being with all of those other incredibly smart people who are all there because they know that there's more to learn and more to obtain. And what can I learn from this conference? Even if it's just something small or something big that I can take back to the clinic and, and help my patients. And so for me, it's that the highlight or what I take away is the energy level of how excited people are for our profession um, and how willing they are to share 
what they do and what works and what doesn't work. They share successes and failures because we learn as much from failure as we do from success. And so for me, that's the exciting part and the takeaway. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I would absolutely agree with that. People are in it for the right reasons for the patient. Yeah. And there is a lot of great energy and sharing of ideas. You do feel a little bit of that pride, I guess you'd say, but that sense of, man, we are in a good profession and this has a lot of value for the for our patients, for our communities, and more energized to go back out there and promote PT within our clinics, communities, states, and um, nationally. Yeah, my kids were asking me if I was going to go to Disney while I was down there. And I was like, oh, mommy doesn't need to go to Disney World. This is her own version of Disney being surrounded by some of the smartest people I know is almost as exciting as going into the actual Disney World. (laughs) That's great. Do you have any other uh, points or tips that you can leave us with? Yeah, I would love to say if you're ever interested in um, taking the class, it's not just for girls. This class is for anybody who wants to get better at manipulation. Whenever I teach a class, um, I've only actually had one all-female class. It's usually 20 to 25% male uh, participants as well. And when I ask them, so what prompted you to take this class? They say, you know, I'm fairly successful in the clinic with manipulation, but I have all of these physical therapy students and I don't, I don't know how to help them because what I do is not working for them. And so they come to the class to learn how to better help their own students that they're taking in the clinic, which I think is great because um, it's just educating the next generation. And here, you don't have to do it the prescribed way. Make it your own because you being successful is better than you doing it my way. That is so important to, as you mentioned earlier, the art side of physical therapy. If you have a really solid background in your anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, exercise phys, you start to make things up that match the patient. And that's what I love about physical therapy is every patient is a little different. And I have enough background knowledge from PT school and fellowship training to be able to adapt and make changes that make it work for people. That's the difference between a protocol or a script and really being able to specifically apply different strategies, be it exercise or manual techniques, to the individual in front of you. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, this class is largely technique-based, and I, I say this is the art side of what we do. If you want the science side, I can talk about that just as much, but that's not what we're here for today. Come to one of the core classes, something like that. But at the end of the day, if you can do this standing on your head and that's the way that it works best, have at it. Make sure you and the patient are both safe and then be effective. Thank you so much for joining me today, Stacey. I appreciate you bringing your creativity to the rest of us and helping us uh, save our fingers and make things a little bit more adaptable to different body types. Thanks for having me. I enjoy talking about it. This has been a production of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. You can learn more about the Academy by visiting our website at aaompt.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for our acronym, AAOMPT. 